What is up, my fellow ballers? Welcome back to another episode of Balling with Tyler Todd. Can we get a you? On this episode, we have a little fantasy football breakdown. Three position picks at each of the big positions. So quarterback, wide receiver, running back. I know people are already drafting in their fantasy, but here's just the top three picks for each of those segments. And then for baseball, whoo, got some juicy stuff. It hasn't even happened yet, for, but for baseball, we have seven potential trades or seven potential signings at the end of this 2021 season that could shake up the 2022 season. So without further ado, starting off with the football. So looking at fantasy, here are the top three fantasy Top three fantasy quarterback picks. So number one, Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills. Allen is the prototype modern quarterback who can do it through the air. 4,544 passing yards in 2020. And on the ground, 421 rushing yards. So you're going to get really good production with the passing yards and rushing. Obviously, his arm, it, he has a cannon. It's, that's He's just so good. But he's sneakily one of the top goal line runners in the game. As his 25 rushing touchdowns over the last three years are one more than what Ezekiel Elliott has. And his, Ezekiel Elliott is a full-time running back. So that's pretty embarrassing having to have that, you know, near you for Zeke. Not not Allen. That's amazing for Josh, but come on. I know Zeke's been hurt, but yeah, it's pretty impressive. Josh Allen, I always he I thought he was going to be one of the better quarterbacks coming out of his draft. Huge arm, can throw the deep balls, very mobile as well. Actually, can he's actually a pretty good pocket passer too. But people said, oh, the arm is going to be too much. He's not going to be very accurate. Well, he's pretty much put that all to rest because he's been absolutely incredible each year. Next on the list is Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. You're thinking, hey, why why is Mahomes not first? I personally just like Allen more. But Mahomes still obviously deserves to be up there. Since Mahomes' MVP season in 2018, He's actually gotten better, although most fans may not realize it. His QBR rating of 82.9 in 2020 was the highest of his career and the sixth highest in NFL history. The best of Mahomes could still be ahead of us since the Chiefs made discernible upgrades along their offensive line, obviously with Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Thune, and Mike Remmers. It's a bunch of crap, which was their one true weakness in 2020. And, well, and the true weakness, too, is also their defense. But, I mean, they never addressed that, so... Whatever, just keep it rolling, apparently. And lastly, for the quarterbacks on the list, Aaron Rodgers. This man, I think, is the best quarterback in the league. This 2021 NFL season for him is basically going to be his version of Michael Jordan's last dance. Giving it one more shot with Green Bay. Obviously, he's taking taking his talent somewhere else after the season is over. However, Rodgers can still sling it at the age of 37. And coming off of an MVP season, he's he's ready, man. And a good thing is, too, with fantasy, he's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns in a game just three times over his last 89 starts. So that is a guarantee that's really good. You'd want that on your team. So that's the quarterbacks. It's just it's just three for the big uh, position player spots. So for the running backs, number one, Christian McCaffrey, the Carolina Panthers. As hard as it might be, fantasy football 2021 owners have to throw out last season when he missed 13 games because the upside is too high. McCaffrey played 98.4% of Carolina's offensive snaps in 2019 and is a dominant force as both a runner and receiver. True three-down backs are rare in today's NFL, and offenses built around a single running back are even rarer, so McCaffrey is still consensus number one pick coming off injury. He seriously is the perfect one-two punch running back, like can catch and run. 
very well at both. So people should be very happy drafting him if they have him. Second on the list is Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings. Cook's injury issues are actually more pronounced than McCaffrey's as he's missed at least two games in all four of his NFL seasons and 21 total during that span. Once again, the upside is too high. I still think he's one of the best running backs in the league. He obviously just hasn't had a good enough time because he's been hurt like McCaffrey, but when he plays, he's absolutely tremendous. Cook averaged 111.2 rushing yards per game a season ago and scored 17 times in 14 games. It's good. It's really good. His 106 evaded tackles, second among NFL running backs, means he avoid he avoids contact more than your standard bell cow back. He's good, dude. He's very elusive, and he gets it done. He literally plays all parts of the game very well. And last on the list is Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. I don't know why my boy, my boy Austin Eckler should be on here. Like, not even being like a biased Charger fan, that guy literally is huge productive fantasy running back, but he's not, unfortunately. Henry doesn't have the durability concerns of McCaffrey and Cook because of his six foot three, two hundred and forty seven pound frame, but he's not a receiving threat. Still, that's a little concern when you consider he's led the NFL in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns the last two seasons, and is almost impossible to stop in the open field. He can change your fortunes with a single run, is the surest thing available in the first round. He pretty much is the best ground and pound running back in the league, and he's just like I mean, like it says, you can't bring him down. He literally is so talented. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I actually think he's the best running back in the league, but gosh, there's so many good ones. It's hard to, it, there's, you can argue, but there's a lot of good guys in the league at the moment. Okay. So that's it for the running backs. And lastly, we have the wide receivers. Number one for fantasy pick wide receivers is Devonte Adams of the green Bay Packers. Adams isn't the biggest receiver, six foot one, 212 pounds or the fastest 4.56 second 40 yard dash, but he's a strong route runner, which is obviously very important in the league. He also has exceptional body control and is dangerous with the ball in his hands. Adams led the NFL in yards per route last season with three yards and fantasy points per route run, 0.78. And also, he just he literally catches everything that comes his way. He's just a very just a very refined receiver, and I don't think people really understand that because he's not not overshadowed. He's not, he hasn't been overshadowed by overshadowed by anybody. He's been in green when he's been in Green Bay. He's always been the number one guy, but I think everyone rather focuses on obviously Aaron Rodgers and not Devontae Adams. But still, he's still in he's still in the spotlight somewhat. But I feel like he's always on the back burner for like in best wide receiver conversations. He's never really talked about. It's always oh Michael Thomas and Julio Jones are the best. It's like, okay, dude. We have to. F- There's so many other good receivers in the league other than just those two. So I don't know. But I think Devontae Adams is very good, and he's a very good fantasy receiver as well. Next on the list is Tyree Kill, the Kansas City Chiefs. Hill's electrifying speed is well advertised, but he also plays much larger than his 5'10 frame thanks to a 40.5-inch vertical and strong body control. It also helps that he's in the perfect offense to exploit those traits. He'll finish second in the NFL in deep targets with 32 and third in targeted air yards, 1,746. So you want a deep ball threat? Number one, he's the number one guy to go do it. He's evolved from a player who needs the ball in space to a player who can beat you off the line. I mean, that's why he's literally nicknamed the Cheetah. It's He's so fast. And lastly on the list is Steph, Stephon Diggs, the Buffalo Bills, also very underrated receiver. I felt like he was very overrated when he was in Minnesota, but when he came to Buffalo, I think he understood his role more, and he actually played very well. After being targeted just 93 times in 15 games with the Vikings in 2019, Diggs was traded to the Bills and bonded immediately with quarterback Josh Allen. See, like this right here. 
His hundred and his one hundred and sixty-six targets last season led the NFL, as did his one hundred and twenty-seven receptions and one thousand five hundred and thirty-five receiving yards. Yeah, I think a change of scenery is what he needed. And then with Allen's newfound accuracy, which was one of the big ifs of you know coming out of the draft, he should continue to be one of the top fantasy football wide receivers. And dude, he's nasty. Everything in a receiver you want. He can, he's a good route runner. He can run the deep, run the deep ball, run the deep threat. He's fast. He's a good route runner. Has good hands, good body control. He's got it all. He's just kind of a tinier guy. But that's it. Those are all the three big major fantasy picks for all the big, you know, obviously the big position player spots. I didn't feel like doing defense because that's it's obviously you only get to pick one defense, not individual players. Maybe tight end should have been slipped in there, but tight end's kind of a boring position. So I just like the big three ones because those are usually the big three that people draft. But aside from that, that one's that article's now over with. The next one we got for baseball, the seven biggest offseason predictions for the 2021-2022 season. So this is trades or signings, and there's a lot of good ones here. So the first one on the list is Josh Bell to the Milwaukee Brewers. So less than two years removed from winning it all, the Washington Nationals saw that their championship window was closed and blew it up ahead of this year's July 30th trade deadline. And first baseman Josh Bell, however, there was one notable trade chip the Nats failed to move. In all likelihood, Washington will try again to find a suitor for the 29-year-old slugger this winter. He's only under team control through 2022, after all, and he's used this season to recoup value after a difficult campaign for the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2020. He's played in 112 games and put up a solid 117 OPS plus with 23 home runs. Bell will appeal to first base needy clubs that either can't or don't want to spend big bucks on free agents like Freddie Freeman, Brandon Belt, or Anthony Rizzo. For instance, the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, for instance, um, the San Diego Padres. What? How are they not in there? The Cruz first baseman have tallied minus 0.3 war in 2021. So even a relatively modern star like Bell would be a significant upgrade at the cold corner. Considering their farm system isn't particularly deep, it's likewise an advantage that Bell could probably be had for a low-level talent. He's sick. I always thought he was very good. It's just very underrated and just under the radar. Very good first baseman. Next on the list, two of seven, is Mitch Hanniger to the Chicago White Sox. Considering they're nine games over 500 and off the charts in the fun differential scale, it's just a, such a fun team to watch and so talented. The Seattle Mariners shouldn't be written off in the race for the American League's second wild card slot. And yet, this is also a team in an in-between state and that it's done rebuilding, but not quite all in on 2021. Hence why general manager Jerry Depoto was willing to risk clubhouse discord by trading ace closer Kendall Graveman for up-and-comer infielder Abraham Toro in July. If Depoto makes another trade in, in this vein this winter, chances are it will involve right field Mitch Hanniger. He's a big presence on the team, but he's also A, 30 years old, B, only controlled through 2022 and C in the way of Uber prospect Julio Rodriguez by way of 122 OPS plus and 29 home runs. Hanniger has reestablished his bona fides after two injury room years in 2019 and 2020. In theory, he appealed to win now teams that we that would be willing to ship major league ready talent to Seattle. The Chicago White Sox who've gotten only 0.6 R war out of right field fit the bill. They might offer Seattle young slugger Jake Berger, who's looking up at Yon Moncada at third base. So there may not be a spot for him on the team, but Hanniger's also a very, very quiet player. A lot of the guys on this list are very kind of just, they do their they do their thing without being in the spotlight as much. 
So next on the list at 3 of 7, Sony Gray to the San Francisco Giants. If the, if the Cincinnati Reds make it to the postseason, their dangerous offense and ascendant starting rotation will make them a sleeper to play deep in October. Come the offseason, though, the Reds could circle back on the possibility of subtracting from the rotation by dealing Luis Castillo or Sony Gray. <clears throat> the latter, in particular, will be a candidate to go. The two-time All-Star is a good pitcher, but not the team's best. Perhaps because of the sticky stuff, Bam, he's lost a good deal of spin rate, and Cena's ERA slipped to a good, not great, 3.91. The Reds might, therefore, have reservations about his 10.2 salary for 2022. If the Reds do shop the 31-year-old, there should be interest in him as a lower-risk alternative to some of the market's big-name free agents. An enterprising team might even see a solution to Gray's spin rate decline. Our eyes are on the San Francisco Giants, who's president of baseball operations, Farhan Zadi, knows Gray from both when, when they were both with the uh, Oakland Athletics. The Giants definitely have both the payroll space and the young talent to pursue a reunion, and they'll certainly have the need with Kevin Gossman, Anthony Discafani, Johnny Cueto, and Alex Wood ticketed for free agency. All four of those guys. All four. And those that and those four are pretty much the main reason why they're be, why they are so good this year. Obviously, yes, the offense is good and the defense as well, but the rotation has been very, very all-star like. It's pretty scary. Now, next on the list at four, Wilson Contreras to the Houston Astros. Like the Nationals, the Chicago Cubs faced reality and went on a selling spree that saw Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Craig Kimbrell, and others depart from more competitive environments at the deadline. But what Josh Bell is to the Nationals, Wilson Contreras is to the Cubs. The 29-year-old has been and still is one of the best catchers in baseball. He's posted 104 OPS plus and 17 home runs in 2020, 2021, not to mention a 3.9 war. In the latter category, Philadelphia Phillies star JT Romilto is the only catcher who has Contreras beat since 2016. The Cubs control Contreras through 2022, but it only makes sense to keep him if they want to and think they can build another contender in one winner. Otherwise, cashing in while his value is up is the right thing to do. If the Cubs indeed make Contreras available, the Houston Astros might rekindle the interest they had in him when Jeff Luno was running things two years ago. He'd be a big fix for a catching spot that's produced only a .602 OPS, and Houston might even entice the Cubs by offering a long-term catcher and prospect Corey Lee. It's a possibility. And I think it's smart for Chicago to do that because the if they if they got full rebuild, you might as well cut the final piece of the rebuild out, which is Contreras, because he really is he's the last piece. He was the last one. He's like the really the only remaining survivor on the team. So it's sad, but he's very talented though. <clears throat> Next on the list, Cattell Marte to the Philadelphia Phillies. I've really I've always liked Cattell Marte. And I actually got to see him like play multiple times when I lived in Arizona. And obviously he's been with the Dimebacks his whole career. So he's nasty. Not his whole career, but a majority of his career, excuse me. But he's he's always just been a nasty player. Full-on utility Swiss Army knife guy. He's just he always he's just talented. I really like him. Last year wasn't a fluke as the Arizona Diamondbacks are once again deep in last place in the National League West. That is very true right now. So when the hot stove market opens up, none of their players should be untouchable. To this end, maybe the only reason all-star center fielder Cattell Marte wasn't moved at the trade deadline was because he was on the injured list with the hamstring strain. The Snakes would have been selling low, which they did not need to do given that Marte is signed through 2022 with options for 23 and 24. 
The 27-year-old figures to be more available this winter, albeit at a high price. Marte finished fourth in the NL MVP voting just two years ago, after all, and he's played like an MVP when he's been healthy in 2021. Through 62 games, he's batting 346, 399, and 550 with eight home runs. After where Marte fits, the Philadelphia Phillies could see him as an upgrade for a lineup that's gotten a .302 OBP out of the first two slots. President of Baseball Operations Dave Dombrowski isn't adverse to making deals for stars like Marte, and he could offer former top prospect Alec Bohm as a centerpiece. Bohm obviously plays third base for the Phillies. That would be a good little swap for them. Put Marte in center field and still have Kutch out there, which would be really cool. And Harper, that's a pretty good-looking outfield. And the good thing with Marte as well, he, like I said earlier, he is a utility guy. He can play second. He can play sure. Obviously, I know they have Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius, but still. It's a huge possibility that they could play. They could switch him. And obviously, they may offer Alec Bohm, too, because Marte may play third as well because that's where Bohm plays. So that's a good one. This That's probably the most exciting out of the, out of the list I've seen so far. Next, six of seven, Josh Donaldson to the New York Mets. It's crazy that this guy still plays, but he's still very talented. The last place Minnesota Twins might have, might have made like the Nationals and Cubs at the trade deadline, but they ultimately carried out more of a controlled demolition than a full-on blow-up. Out the door went slugger Nelson Cruz and ace Jose Barrios, but third baseman Josh Donaldson and center fielder Byron Buxton stuck around even though both their names had been circling around the rumor mill. Because injuries have limited him to only 29 games this season, the Twins might wager that they're better off holding on to Buxton instead of trading him this winter. Donaldson, though, could be on the move. The 2015 AL MVP has had issues staying healthy in recent seasons, and he's now set to turn 36 on December 8th. It makes sense, then, for the Twins to offload Donaldson in the $43.5 million he's owed through 2023 before age and injuries ruin his stardom for good. For now, he's still going strong with the 134 OPS plus and 20 home runs. With more than enough money to absorb his remaining contract, the New York Mets could get back in on Donaldson after poking around him ahead of the trade deadline. They'll potentially have an opening for him again this winter as current third baseman J.D. Davis who played more than half his games in the outfield in 2019, could move to right field if Michael Conforto departs as a free agent. And lastly on the list, this is an eye-opening one, which would really actually be pretty interesting to see, is Matt Chapman to the New York Yankees. Regardless of whether they snap out of their recent funk and earn what would be their fourth straight playoff appearance, the Oakland Athletics could be headed toward a dramatic winner. The moment when third baseman Matt Chapman and first baseman First baseman Matt Olson will get too expensive for the A's has been a topic of conversation for a while now. That moment is nigh as both are due ample raises in their second years of arbitration eligibility in 2022. Olson seemed like the better sell high candidate as recently as a couple of uh, weeks ago, but Chapman is back to looking like his old MVP caliber self with a 1.045 OPS in seven homers since August 7th. His hip may finally be fully recovered from the surgery he had last September. As a two-time gold glover with 30 homer power and club control through 2023, the 28-year-old would have huge value if the A's were to put him on the block. For his suitors, the plan would have to be twofold. Get him, and then it's World Series or bust. Looking at you, the New York Yankees, Chapman would fit well at a hot corner spot on which Gio Ursula's grip has loosened in 2021 and his power will certainly be right at home in a lineup chock full of thumpers. Um, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, <laughs> Luke Voigt, the list goes on. 
In exchange, the the Yankee and the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees might entice Oakland with young flamethrower Luis Gill. That that would be an awesome trade, man. I think all seven of these would be so good. I just I just don't like seeing guys leave. I've never been seeing guys trade. I've always liked when guys you know play out their careers with the same team they've been with. It it'd be cool to see Contreras stay with the Cubs, but like like it said, I don't. I don't think he's going to have enough time to. They're not the Cubs aren't going to have enough time to make a championship team in in, in one winter. It's not going to happen. I don't know. I I just don't think it's possible, which is very sad. But that is all the time we have for today. Thank you once again for tuning in for another episode of Balling with Todd and Todd, episode 60. 60 people. My goodness. We're just moving right along. We ain't stopping. Thank you for always checking out the pod and hearing me rant about anything. Episode 60 will be on Friday at 5 p.m. I will see all y'all ballers then. Peace out.